Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer, author, and software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. Complete Developer Podcast is supported by listeners like you. We are now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Complete Developer Podcast. Resilience is the ability to recover quickly. Having consistent patterns of behavior helps you to know where to jump back in when something knocks you off your regular schedule, requiring you to be resilient. In this episode, we discuss consistency, looking at its importance, some things that can hinder you from having it, and then spend most of our time talking about tips for making your code, your work, and your life more consistent. But before we get started, Will, what's been your consistency this week? (laughs) Not much. There's a lot going on. I'm getting to do some more AWS related stuff, which is fun. Can't really get into too much of the details of that, but uh, it's nice to have a new project that's not Angular. I, I really am I'm getting to the point with the front end stuff that I'm like, it's a means to an end. And I've kind of realized that's my permanent view of it <laughs> yeah. at this point. So it is much more fun to be working on those kind of things that are more structural and in, in, in the back end of the system. So you do tend to prefer that. Yeah. Well, I mean, like if you look at my design skills, you know, like I can't do the front end stuff by myself very well. It's going to look like bootstrap or it's going to look a lot worse. So true that. I've seen it. Uh huh. <laughs> so how about you? So uh, we record a few weeks in advance, but uh, this is coming out a little, uh, a little after the fact for you guys. But uh, I went to a Juneteenth cookout this past weekend. That was very interesting. I learned a lot. I mean, I learned a lot from that. I'm very, very happy to have friends who invited me over for it. It was really very educational experience. Uh, The most important thing that uh, I learned really is there is so much about African-American culture that I am second order ignorant about. Yeah. Like there are so many things. It's weird because like you can hear stuff in school and they can present stuff in school. And part of it is because it's just, it's school. But part of it is it's not alive when it's presented in school. Mm -hmm. It's alive when you go and you hang out with friends that are from a different culture. And yeah, that's very true. And then there's a lot of stuff that's just like, it's not presented. A lot of things about, well, what fascinates me is this is a different culture next door. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, literally grew up right down the road, you know, and it it, it just absolutely fascinated me. I, I learned a whole lot and I was very, very honored to get to go to that. For those of you not in the United States, Juneteenth, it's uh, celebrated on June 19th and it is a celebration of freedom from slavery for the African-American uh, population in the United States. And anyone correct me if I am wrong, I, I'm going to try to uh, to represent this as best I can here. But um, basically, the slaves in, I believe it was Galveston, Texas. Yeah, that's when they found out, I think, was because it had been announced before. Yeah, yeah, like so the Emancipation Proclamation came out on January 1st, 
But it was two years later, on June 19th, that the slaves in Galveston, Texas, were actually freed. And so they were the last ones to be freed. So that is when that celebration takes place. And just last year, it was made an official holiday in the United States. It's been celebrated in the African-American community for longer than that. But just here in the United States, it was made an official holiday. And uh, like I said, I was, I was very honored to get to go to that and just sort of participate in you know my friends' cultures that I didn't even know a lot about. And I learned, like I said, I learned so much just being there. It was, it was really a great experience. I'm very glad that I got to, got to participate in that and they let me, let me come out to it. It is a very humbling experience, though, when you realize that there's people that live right down the road that have a completely different culture than, than anything you've ever seen mm-hmm. because you're just you're not in it. You know, I've had similar experiences with mainly with people that are at different religious groups. So, like, be, you know, being around Mormons, for instance, and actually sitting down and talking to them, or being around, uh, I've got a Jewish friend, for instance, and I was at his wedding, and that was that was the wildest thing I'd ever been to. I didn't know what was going to happen next the whole time. And it was, it was very, very cool. I was glad to be a part of that. So, yeah, I, I agree with you, man. Like I said, I just, I was very honored to get invited to that and very happy that my, my friends let me come, come and participate in, in something so important and special to them. So that was really cool. All right. So Patreon news, basically we are going to change things up a bit in the aftercast with Beach's missions and other trips this summer, scheduling has gotten a bit difficult. And we realized that the idea of recording an aftercast every week is really not scalable and not resilient to change. And the, the latter is actually the bigger problem. When our schedules are consistent, it works pretty well. But when somebody's out for whatever reason, we have to double up the next week. And because of the aftercast, we essentially end up losing two whole evenings after work. And that makes everything else we do harder. So starting this month, instead of a short weekly aftercast, uh, we're not abandoning you guys on Patreon by any means. What we're going to do is we're going to record a extra episode, a full length episode for our patrons at the $5 and up tier. This will allow us better scheduling and allow for you to get our full attention in the writing process. Because sometimes when you're writing an episode, you get to the aftercast and you're like, all right, what do I put in here? But this is going to be our full attention on writing this episode. You know, it'll be longer so we can go more in depth on stuff, which I think honestly will, will create better quality. I mean, you've, you've seen the quality of the podcast. You've seen the quality of the aftercast. I, th- I think we will be bumping the quality of the aftercast up quite a bit by doing this as well. So as a bonus feature for our Join the Aftercast, patrons will be letting you all get more involved in selecting the topic and creation of the episodes. That's the other thing is we kind of want this to be uh, driven by the demand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got some, some neat ideas for that that we're going to be employing with the guys we have on right now. But we're, our goal is to make it scalable. Saving money is hard, especially when your income may not be as consistent as you'd like. Lucas Casares is a fee-only certified financial planner. He owns and runs Level Up Financial Planning virtually out of Fort Collins, Colorado. And just like us here at Complete Developer Podcast, he focuses on helping you not only establish a real plan, but also to take action on that plan so that you can live your best life. 
Investing in financial planning services really comes down to whether or not you make your money back or better. In other words, do you improve your finances? And with the help of Level Up, the compounding impact of making better financial decisions will easily pay for itself. Level Up has a unique pricing model that will help you no matter where you are in your financial journey. So whether you're a junior developer just starting out or a grizzled senior, Lucas has a plan for you. I like how you looked at me pointedly when I said grizzled senior. I guess I did forget to shave today. You did. Yeah. Lucas is also a fiduciary for his clients, which means he's not here to sell you a product, but instead to guide you to a better financial situation with whatever product happens to work for that goal. You guys can catch his podcast, Techie Personal Finance Bootcamp, where he covers financial topics you probably face and interviews other IT professionals who share how they navigated their careers. You can also learn more at levelupfinancialplanning.com. Small disciplines repeated with consistency every day lead to great achievements gained slowly over time. That's a quote from John Maxwell. Yeah, consistency is not doing the same thing over and over again without change. Instead, it is making a plan and sticking with it. Consistency requires a long-term commitment and continuous work and effort. It's going to the gym on Wednesday when you are out sick Tuesday and doing Wednesday's workout and only Wednesday's workout. Right. So it's, it's basically not step aerobics. It's I have a destination and I'm walking. Yes. The dictionary defines consistency as conformity in the application of something typically that which is necessary for the sake of logic, accuracy, or fairness. Consistency is trusting the process even when you do not see the results, knowing that they will come. All you have to do is keep going. It has to do with your methodology and how you address situations and issues as they arise. It's about how you plan, not the specific details of what you plan. Oh, and by the way, I don't have that shirt on. I thought I did. Sanmez He's actually got t-shirts for the uh, the Bulldog Mindset, you know, that's mm-hmm. trust the process. Yeah, yeah. I specifically put trusting the process in here as a little shout out to uh, to yeah. John Sanmez. And I almost grabbed that shirt, but I didn't. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. So guys, in this episode, we'll start by looking at consistency and why it is important in your code, at work, and in life. Then in the second half of the episode, we'll discuss some tips for how you can make your code, your work, and your life more consistent. So we're going to start off talking about uh, something I found online called the Pillars of Consistency. These are are three pillars. This was from, uh, I think, a business blog post. But it's actually, it was pretty neat. So I I wrote them down and then sort of threw a little explanation, more uh, IT or... uh, software development-related explanation to them. So the first pillar of consistency is accountability. So you're going to want good QA. And you're going to want to take ownership of the product, of your team, of your workplace, of your machine. Even if it's like supplied to you by your job, it is your machine. You take ownership of it. You are accountable for that. Yeah, and this scales up, by the way, right? It's not just individuals, it's the team, you know, the mm-hmm. big team, the department, the organization, et cetera. Accountability isn't necessarily, uh, you know, it's not the same as getting blamed 
it's, hey, look, this is this is mine. I'm going to take care of my stuff. Right. Exactly. This is going, something goes wrong. Hey, I built that. I'm going to, I'm going to take responsibility for it. For example, like we have an on-call schedule, on-call developer every week for if things come up. However, whoever built the application knows it best and they usually will take responsibility or accountability for that application. So there's a couple of them that uh, there's a couple of award-winning apps that constantly have problems. That's an inside joke. Sorry, guys. And so the the developers who worked on that, they usually grab those. But it's the on-call developer's role to follow through, follow up, and make sure it goes to completion. Yeah, that's kind of where we're trying to get with our support process. It's not there yet because the system's not broken up, but that's that's where we're actually shooting for uh, for exactly that reason. It's a it's a better feedback loop. It is. It really is. Now, the the next pillar is relevance. Basically, ideas or marketing campaigns may not take on as quick as you expect. So, being consistent and staying the course keeps your ideas relevant to others. Yeah. So, the example in the the blog post was marketing campaigns, but this could also be trying to get a new technology at your work or trying to convince your boss to let you work. Well, work from home isn't an issue anymore, but trying to get your boss to let you you do something or things like that. It, it's just because you presented the idea once and they said not now or something like that, or it wasn't really accepted well, doesn't mean that it's not still relevant. Or if you didn't get any feedback or they just sort of ignored it, doesn't mean that it's not still relevant. You got to keep that up to keep that relevance going. Does that make sense? Like it made sense in my head. Yeah, because it's it's not necessarily that things are relevant at the point that they're mentioned. They're relevant with consistent mention and consistent working towards a goal over time. And then eventually it sinks in. You don't give up after the first time that you're told that's a bad idea. No, I mean, it's like learning a new song. I don't go, all right, well, I'm I'm playing this new song Thursday night, so I'm going to review it once, and there we go. No, it's two or three times I play through that song every night, two or three times before I get up on stage and play it. You also need to have clear messaging, uh, which you know goes along with your relevance thing, because obviously they can't tell if it's relevant if they can't tell what you're saying. Whether you're talking to managers, product owners, sales, or even customers, being clear in what you say is the foundation of consistency. Mm-hmm. Mean what you say, say what you mean. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's that's going to be kind of paramount to being consistent is being clear in what you're saying. So, a few reasons why being consistent is important. Um, and we, I, I kind of broke these down into the different aspects that we're going to talk about why being consistent is important in code, work, and life. But one area that is across the board is that consistency builds trust. No matter what aspect you're looking at, it builds trust from other developers in your code and your ability to handle new problems. It builds trust in your employer and your employees, the people who you work for, who you work with, and who work under you. And it also builds trust in friendships and relationships and even builds trust in yourself when you're consistent. Y'all know one of my big goals this year was to to run a 5K. 
Well, I ran the equivalent of a 5K on, on the treadmill at the gym today. And uh, as I was leaving, the the guy at the gym was like, hey, how's it going? Like, I saw you get excited there. I was like, yeah, I, a year ago, I could barely run 30 seconds. I just ran a 5K. And uh, he was like, wow, man. He's like, because I see the picture of me when I sign in every time. And it's from about a year or two ago. He's like, what's your secret? I was like, consistency. That's the only secret. Yeah. For most things, is just showing up. Yeah. Consistently going in day after day, consistency. And um, it's kind of kind of funny that that conversation happened uh, just this afternoon. But yeah. And I was like, yeah, I mean, it built trust in myself. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I can go run 5K because I built that trust in myself. So let's talk about uh, the value of consistency in code. If your code is consistent across the board, it improves readability. If people seen something somewhere before, they can make a similar assumption about the thing that they're seeing now. It also makes the code more scalable. Yeah, that's true. It does make it more scalable. And it leads to predictability in the code. Yeah, all those things are kind of intertwined. And it feels like it shouldn't be. When you're a junior dev or even mid-level to senior, you'll be like, oh, what? the code can be inconsistent and it'll scale just fine. And it's like, yeah, it'll scale just fine until somebody thinks that it means something else. And and it doesn't scale because you, they, they misunderstood something. Yeah. You you get a kind of a long view on that after a while. That's true. That's true. So looking at consistency in business and the importance of it in, in your work life here, it improves customer and employee retention. Like Will and I are working on a couple of episodes about the, uh, was it the great resignation? Yeah. Yeah. Which is not great if you're an employer. Yeah. It's not great at all. Yeah. I went to a, a talk on that recently and we're, we're, we've got a couple of uh, episode ideas coming out that we're, we're going to be working on probably in the next few weeks. You'll be hearing those, but um Yeah consistency is how you keep people around. Uh, It also allows you to track and measure your production. Right. So like in an agile environment, when you do story points, if those change all the time, it makes things harder to track. Makes it impossible uh, in most cases, right? Like if a five, you know, means a 13 next time, you track that over a year and it's been bouncing around all over the place, you really can't tell what your throughput actually is if it's gotten better or worse. No. And lastly, under here, it increases your marketability, which also means it increases your reputation. Right. So a business that delivers. Yeah. Yeah. So like either as a business or as a person, like as an employee. And, you know, to be honest, the predictability and, uh, you know, of results, a lot of times uh, takes precedence even over the quality of the results. Mm-hmm. Right? There are plenty of people who, if they're going down the road, and you know they've heard of some restaurant that's really good, but they know McDonald's, they go to McDonald's, and McDonald's is not good. Yeah, o- on average, like it's pretty gross, but it's consistent. You know what you're getting. I saw a, a thing the other day. Like, why is it that? Uh, well, their ice cream machines are always broken, but yeah. <laughs> no, no. It was, it was a meme like, why Why is it that you would forgive McDonald's a thousand times, but the moment a small business 
owner doesn't do something you like, you're never going back there. And it's because McDonald's are consistent, generally consistent across the board. Yeah, I mean they have like a they have like a specification for the the size distribution, like in length of their fries pre cut. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's ridiculous if you actually go and look at what they're doing. But that gets the consistency, and that is their that's their market position. It, it's yeah. not good food; it's just available, and it's going to be the same wherever you go. Yeah, in life, uh, consistency also helps. Uh, it builds self control and discipline. Uh, doing you know doing the podcast every week. We've had to learn that, hey, I, you know, I've Sunday night, I've got to work on writing an outline if it's my week. You know, I have mm-hmm. to try to keep my schedule clear. I have to make sure other things are done. Uh, you, you, you learn this over time, but it, you know, it's like the, the structure enforces the discipline, not the other way around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know definitely being consistent with the gym has built a lot of discipline with me. So that even when I was up visiting my sister in Ohio, I was still going running every day. Even if it was just running around the neighborhood in the morning. Every single day I went running. Yep. Uh, It also increases your accountability. And so the habits that you form, you know, become who you are. Yeah. You continue the habit because of who you are, but you are who you are because of the habit. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Like, I started... Yeah, the habit of learning to play music. And I call myself a musician now. Will started the habit of learning to speak Russian. And uh, I call him a Russian speaker. He, he, he still doesn't call himself that yet. It is challenging. And it's especially a, it's a little bit of a difficulty right now with everything going on. But yeah, it, it definitely helps. It also makes you noticeable. makes you stand out more. Um, so if you're doing the thing consistently people do eventually notice. We've been asked about, like oh, like on this podcast, like how did you get the number of listeners you have? How did you get all this stuff? It's like, we just showed up. Yeah. It's going to be there. Mm-hmm. And they don't forget about you because you're, you're in front of them all the time. There, there's a tremendous amount of value in that, you know, above and beyond anything else we do. Like that is a damage multiplier, big time. Yeah. Uh, people notice more when you are consistent in the small things than when you occasionally do big things. Because there, there are podcasts that I know that, you know, did really, really well. Like they do huge chunks of work, but they don't put them out consistently. Maybe there'll be one when I go look, but, you know, eventually you forget about them. Yeah. So now we're going to cover a few hindrances to consistency. Some things that can hold you back or things that you need to watch out for to, that may keep you from being consistent. And the first one is a lack of clarity and focus. If you don't know where you're going, you can't keep taking steps toward it. Well, and if you don't know why you're going, you're not going to keep taking steps. Yeah. That's the other fun one, right? Like you have to have a an end goal of some sort in mind. You know, that that is probably the only thing that's actually made it possible for me to keep going with like Russian, for instance. I do have an end goal in mind, and that's the thing I'm going for. It, it's not, oh, I'm just gonna learn a language for the heck of it and whatever. Right, because that that does not work. I mean, I tried that with with Japanese when I was in my twenties. Same thing with music for me. When I joined the worship team, I suddenly had like at, at first the focus was getting on there, but when I first started, I wasn't planning on that at all. And it was when I gave myself the goal of getting on the worship team that I started really getting focus. And then I got on there, and people were relying on me 
to play my part. And suddenly that just, that was a real clarity and focus. Well, and the other thing with that, that focus like that is that it, it changes what you decide to do. There will be stuff that will look like it's going towards the goal and doesn't help at all. And you'd be like, that, that doesn't do anything for me. But if you don't know what the goal is, you, you get pulled off in that direction. Another thing that gets you is a desire for instant gratification. Um, and I, I see this a lot with the younger generation, and I don't know if it's a thing that's actually changed or if it's just part of being old. I kind of think it's part of being old more than it's something that's actually changed. You can see like Greek philosophers saying the same thing is, you know, the young are undisciplined. You know, they, they want a result right now. Well, think about when we were young, we were kind of that way too. Like I look back at my life and I'm like, yeah, I think it's a maturity thing. I think it's something that, that does come with experience and a little bit of maturity that you start to realize, hey, I don't need this instant gratification. Or you learn that, you know, hey, sometimes the delayed gratification, sometimes like working hard for something is better. And so learn that young. Trust me. Well, and the other thing too is, you know, besides the desire for instant gratification, the desire for gratification at all. Uh, in a lot of cases, the only thing you get is the work. That's the only thing that is actually guaranteed. Yeah. In certain things that are probably well worth doing, most of them, but life is a crapshoot. Mm-hmm. Along the same lines is lack of patience because consistency is about effort over time. And so you have to be, be able to trust that process. We were talking about that earlier, but trust that, hey, I'm, I may not see results right away. It may be a month, two months, six months. Exercising, for example, it was, what, like six months before I, well, maybe less than that, maybe about four months before I lost a pant size. Yeah, well, and there's like a lot of stuff too. You'll have this huge spike of, of learning and growth, and then you have to maintain that. And so that starts to taper off and flatten out. I'm, you know, I don't know why I'm making a gesture with my hand on an audio <laughs> program. But I mean, like that, that's what your, your learning curve is. It's not a exponential growth the whole time. It's exponential and then it tapers and, you know, plateaus and maybe goes back up a little bit and then tapers and plateaus. And you're, you're going to fight with that. And if the first time that it goes down, you quit, you're never going to get anywhere. And it doesn't matter what the subject matter is. If it's got any difficulty to it at all, it just won't work. The patience, the lack of patience will get you very quickly. Another thing is a lack of supporting habits. If you're, for instance, your weight loss thing, right? It's like, okay, I, I want to lose weight, you know, and I'm, I'm going to the gym and I'm doing all this. Well, that's great. But if you're going home and you're drinking, you know, a growl or a beer every night, it's going to be very hard to outrun that. Yeah. I will be honest with you. It really was not drinking that helped me because. I was already going to the gym on a regular basis. And I realized when I really got, you know, I stopped drinking and then I got serious about it was, hey, I wouldn't say hungover, but I was like feeling bad from drinking regularly. And that was keeping me from really pushing myself. Like I was pushing myself to maintain. And that's, of course, that's also something, even if I don't have a drink, a lot of times in the mornings, I still feel like hammered crap. I think it's just my allergies, to be 100% honest. Possibly. But yeah, I mean, it, it will. It'll wear you down very, very quickly. And you're also kind of working at cross purposes, right? Because mm-hmm. the next day when you're running, you're they're going, well, like I have to run like another four hours to burn all those calories just yep. to get to the baseline. And that is very, very discouraging. Like, don't be putting stuff in your own way. 
Right. Speaking of being in your own way, the next one is self-doubt. If you don't believe you can do it, sometimes it's like when I first started this journey a year ago, trying to get to, to do a 5K, I could barely run 30 seconds. I run 30 seconds and walk a little bit, run 30 seconds and walk a little bit. Which is great training, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. I would also extend the self-doubt to not having the confidence to push people away who are trying to undermine it. Mm-hmm. Right? Like if you had a friend that's like, oh, you know, bees, you're, you're never going to get anywhere and you're just trying to be a meathead in the gym and da-da-da-da and you should you know, sit here and like our college friend group, we had people around us at one point in college, right? And, and you remember this. Like they were negative all the time about anything. You know, it's just like any kind of social interaction. Like they just, they had a problem with it. And after a while, like we had to get away from them. We did. No. You're going to find that you have to do that sometimes. Mm-hmm. If, you, if your goal is worth doing, that's just something you just can't put up with. No. And finally, having an all or nothing mindset. Because again, consistency isn't about doing the same thing over and over again. It's about creating a plan and adapting. Yeah. So like, for instance, let's say that you get sick, I don't know, tomorrow and you, you know, maybe you miss two days at the gym and you go back and you're like, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to do this day's workout, but it, it's not just that you, you shouldn't feel bad about the consistency because you're going to learn stuff, right? Mm-hmm. What happens if you go back in there and you're like, man, this was a solid workout. Maybe I'm overtraining or maybe you just absolutely fall apart and you're like, okay, there's something going on here. Like I'm losing strength mm-hmm. quicker than I should. Right. Like all that stuff is informative. And if you have an all or nothing mindset, you can't see it. Right. If you're a software engineer, you've been there. It's 9 p.m. You finally unwinding from work. Your phone buzzes with an alert. Something's broken. Your mind's already racing. What could be wrong? Is it the network? Is it a slow running query? Did I introduce a bug in my last deploy? Now the whole team scrambling from tool to tool and messaging person after person to find the fix, the issue. That won't happen if you get New Relic. New Relic combines 16 different monitoring products that you probably would buy separately. So engineering teams can see across their entire software stack in one place. More importantly, you can pinpoint issues down to the line of code so you know exactly why the problem happened and can resolve it quickly. That's why the dev and ops teams at DoorDash, GitHub, Epic Games, and more than 14,000 other companies use New Relic to debug and improve their software. Whether you run a cloud-native startup or a Fortune 500 company, it takes just five minutes to set up New Relic in your environment. That next 9 p.m. call is just waiting to happen. Get New Relic before it does. And you can get access to the whole New Relic platform and 100 gigabytes of data free forever. No credit card required. Sign up at newrelic.com slash CDP. That's N-E-W-R-E-L-I-C dot com slash CDP. Newrelic.com slash CDP. So now we're going to dive into some tips and tricks that can help you be more consistent. The first area we're going to look at is tips for making your code more consistent. And the first one is it may not seem like much at the time, but small inconsistencies 
they tend to add up and can end up making your code base illegible. Yeah, especially done over time, right? That's how you get like the lava flow pattern. Eventually, people can't predict what's going to happen in the code. Um, I've worked on several code bases that were like this, and I've also worked on others that were, you know, cleaned up and refactored consistently. And so the other thing about having these really consistent standards and styles, which is the next next one, uh, you should have a coding standard and a style that's easy to find and apply for new and existing developers. But it should be a living document. Now, one of the interesting things about the intersection of, of this point and the previous one is that if you do try to keep things consistent across the code base, you're not going to change that document frivolously. Right. It's going to be a well-considered change and you consider the cost because there is one. Mm-hmm. It actually kind of reigns in some of the, you know, change for change's sake type behavior too. It's very true. Yeah. I've used them for that. Yeah. <laughs> some stuff that goes into uh, your standards and style guides. One thing you really should do that's just going to help in general is decide as a team on the indentation. You know, the whole tabs versus spaces. And then everyone set their IDEs to that standard. Right. And set your linter, set it in the build process, make it where if you do something different, it does not go through and you don't have to care if you're doing it right. Yeah. We did this recently because like half our code was four spaces and half of it was two spaces. And for like, all right, we need consistency here. So let's make it consistent. Yeah. And it sounds like such a small thing, but it, it is very, very jarring. And there are situations where it can really matter a lot just yeah. in terms of clarity because people are, are, you know, if they're looking at something that's spaced with two spaces and they switch to four, like their comprehension drops mm-hmm. for a minute or two until they're used to it. And if they're in a hurry, that slows that person down. Like there, there's a cognitive thing there that is probably not measured by any psychological studies, but I guarantee you it exists. Yeah. You should also use descriptive naming throughout the code base. You know, stuff that is the same should be named the same. And things that are different should be named differently. Um, I've also worked on code bases that had problems with this. And it makes it really obscures larger concepts of structure uh, in a way that makes the code base very unpredictable. Keep your method short and to the point. You know, you really want to employ the single responsibility principle here as much as possible. Like there, there's going to be times where you can't. And those should be the rare edge case exceptions. Yeah. And, you know, one of the other things with that, a lot of times this also means that you you should use some of the more advanced code constructs so that you can get more stuff in a method, you know, so that mm-hmm. it's, it's more expressive versus, okay, I'm going to write a for loop for everything versus using, you know, MapReduce. Yeah. For instance. Now, you also need to have one way of doing something such as connecting to the database. Uh, so if you're going to use a, an ORM, you use it throughout the code base. I've worked on mixed systems. This really to. sucks if you don't do this right. And also, uh, this will this will kill your ability to scale for doing things like connection pooling and those sort of things. You, you really want this to be in one place and one place only. I have worked in, in systems where it had to be. Well, it didn't have to be, but where there was a certain thing that couldn't use the ORM. So someone came in and just wrote their own thing in ADO.net and just put it in there and didn't go, oh, hey, we should we need to refactor everything to use this. 
or we need to find a different way to connect. They're just like, oh, well, this is how to do it. Threw it in there and walked away. And that's, yeah, that was a pain, an absolute pain. That one in there. Like, I, I put this one in here for, for my own sake from pain. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, that's what most of what we've learned in, in coding, honestly. It's it's like a big old callus on our soul. <laughs> you should sequester any code that does not conform to the standards or styles. Uh, now, there is going to be, in anything, There's there are going to be edge cases, right? This is how you get standards. Mm-hmm. Is you go, hey, I don't want that edge case. So I'm going to write down the thing that excludes that. That's how you actually get a standard. But there are going to be situations where you can't do things. So you may have, for instance, you're using an ORM and there's some situation where you just simply cannot get the data in and out that way. Bulk loading and trying to use Entity Framework, for instance, is kind of nasty. And you may want to drop down to just doing ADO.net or using some other library because otherwise you completely kill your performance. You can't kill performance for consistency. But you should always make sure that you are actually killing performance by not being consistent, by being consistent before you become inconsistent. Yeah. And would have been fine if it had been, hey, this one thing set over here and well documented why it has to be different and no one else used this. And like maybe even set something up to, to block that. But no, it was, oh, hey. We have to do this. And then another developer comes in and goes, oh, I'm more familiar with ADO.net. So I'm just going to route this through there. Well, that gets the whole growth versus fixed mindset thing, too, because that's a fixed mindset and that will burn you on code. Oh, yeah. Um, Because I've worked with people that were like that. And it was some of the things I've seen are horrendous, like dynamically building SQL inside the database and executing it because you don't want to use an ORM. And for some of the more complex things, I mean, just bonkers stuff, which is a giant security hole too. So let's actually talk about some tips for making your work slash business more consistent. You know, the first one of these is to maintain regular communications with your team, the people above you, the people under you, get to meetings early so that you have a buffer if something goes wrong so that they're not sitting there waiting for you to get on the call. I think everybody's probably learned this over the last two years, uh, but there's some people that don't apply it. That's true. Clearly. I sometimes wait till the last minute and by last minute, I mean last five minutes to hop on a call because I'm working on something. But yeah, you want to be there early. If possible, try to space out your meetings so that they aren't back to back. We kind of talked about this in the leadership episode too, but um, you really want to give yourself time to process one meeting before you're starting the next one. Now, sometimes that's just not possible. Like my manager scheduled two back-to-back meetings today for me. I had no control over that. I just had to show up. I was going to say, I think I had like three back-to-back, but um, and those were largely, they were all my fault. I'll also point out a corollary to this. If you do not feel that you need time to process things after a meeting before the next one, why are you in it? Just throwing that out there. Because you need to figure out what that is because it may be wrong. Maybe you shouldn't be in there. Maybe the meeting should be an email. But something's going on there. That's that's a smell. So look at that one. Yeah, we should do a like office interaction smells at some point. That would be a good episode. Next, you should schedule regular breaks into your day. This will give you something to look forward to when you're doing a task that you don't enjoy. A great way to do this is like the Pomodoro method. Mm-hmm. 
if you're a developer, I would not set it on 25 minutes. I've never found that that works for me, but I could do like a 45 and 15. Yeah. And usually be okay and it's still sustainable. Uh, but mm-hmm. then you focus because you're like, hey, I got a break coming up. I can focus now versus fighting like a lack of desire to do anything because you're going to be there for another eight hours. Sometimes when, I, when I'm working on something kind of difficult, I will say, all right, I'm going to work on this for, for 45 minutes or until I get it. Because I may work on it for 30 minutes and get it. Right. And then I'll step away for five to 10, take my dog outside, maybe play a song, something like that. Just get my mind off of it, clear it out, and then I'll come back and work on something else. But yeah, you definitely want to schedule those breaks throughout the day. Just because if you're like me, and you don't schedule those breaks, you're going to sit and just pound at your keyboard for eight hours straight. Well, not eight hours straight, because you take a lunch break to go to the gym, but you know, for four yeah. hours straight and then four hours straight. Well, and the thing is, is it's not going to help your productivity doing that. No, it'll actually hinder it. Yeah. Oh. And especially if you get RSIs or anything like that going, uh, yeah. that makes it even better. Routines are the key to consistency at work. You want to develop your own routines throughout the day to keep yourself kind of going at the same pace. So you don't want to try and like do a bunch of work all at one time, but you also kind of want to take advantage of your peak hours. So you you set up your routines based around that so that you're you're constantly getting stuff done, but maybe you're getting the more complicated stuff done during your peak hours. And the less complicated, like responding to emails and stuff like that during your downtime. You also need to get rid of things that stress you out at work. Uh, If you can't get rid of them, you find ways to mitigate them or their effects on your performance. I've done that quite a bit with my home office setup. I've got basically everything like I want it at this Mm -hmm. point. I have my tablet in front of me. I can control the music that's playing. It'll play the Bluetooth on the speakers. You know, I've got a very, very large screen. You know, I've got the KVM set up. So if I need to switch back, I, you know, I'm not having to move cables. I can, you know, yeah. handle something if I need to handle it. The climate control is right. The light is right. You know, all my stuff is right here. I don't have to get up to get anything. And, you know, basically the idea here is every time you're irritated, take care of it. Yeah. In, in a permanent way, especially when it is something that will affect your work. Mm-hmm. Because I, I've also worked in environments where I was not allowed to fix problems. And it was all problems. I probably lost three quarters of my day to stupid things that could have been fixed with 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's on a six figure a year job. Finally, consistency is about effort over time. So don't try to do it all at once or push yourself when you're fatigued. Yeah. You know, even if you're not at a scheduled break time and you're just like, I can't stare at this computer screen anymore or you're, you're not making any more forward progress. You're spinning your wheels. Step away. Take a break. Work on something else. But just remember that it's about effort over time. It's about taking small steps towards something. The regular small steps will get you a lot further than the occasional giant leaps. Which is what everybody that, you know, like talking about working out back in college, like, oh, I'm going to do a crazy workout. And it'll it'll help me. And then I'll be able to do another one in two days. It's like, no, you won't. Yeah. You're going to be sore and you're going to quit. And it'll be six months before you do the next one like that. Mm -hmm. You know, once you have euphoric recall or whatever. 
So finally, let's talk about tips for making your life more consistent. Uh, This is a big one, I think, for both of us. Work on improving consistency in one area of your life at a time. Don't try to take too much at one time or you'll get overwhelmed and you will become inconsistent. And this has been something that has been hard for me to learn you know, over time because I'll, I'll be like, oh, this is wrong and this is wrong and this is wrong. And here's this other area that I need to fix. And then I need to do this thing and I need to lose weight. And I need to, it's like, just handle one thing and put all your focus there because then you can actually fix it. And you're not going to get discouraged and you're not going to get impatient. It's just that one area. Yeah. Get to where you want to be in one area. Get to where you're maintaining that almost effortlessly and then move on to the next area. With that in mind, you also want to improve yourself in increments. Like, um, don't try to do it all at once. Break down your bigger goals into digestible chunks of work to get done. I really like the, was it the 13-week year, 12-week year? 12-week year. 12-week year. Yeah, and and that forces you to plan as well. And I understand we all like Scrum and we like Agile. If you're doing this thing in your personal life, you probably do need to actually have a real waterfall in the old school sense plan. Mm Mm-hmm what the end goal is because you're the producer and you're the consumer. And yeah, you might change it at some point, but okay, then you can deal with that. But you need to have a a fixed point that you're going towards. You should also create a realistic budget uh, based on the observation of your spending habits and then stick to that budget for several months before deciding to make any changes. By the way, this isn't just budgeting money. This is time and attention to caloric intake, like all those things like those are still a a budgetary thing. And if you are not realistic in any of those things, you're just going to exceed the budget anyway. Mm -hmm. When you're creating your budget, something that I learned from a friend Guy, actually, because I remember when we were, it's like right after college, you got that first job and making money, but you don't really know like how to actually budget yourself when you, you have money. And uh, my mom was trying to help me out with it and I could never stick with the budget. And one thing he pointed out is he's like, you think differently than your mom. I'm like, well, duh. But what he said was, you have to allow for unexpected spending because you're going to have some friends call you up randomly and say, hey, want to go to the movies? And you're not going to be able to say no. So just build that into your budget. I would argue also that you do that with your time Mm -hmm. in a very similar fashion. That's why I was like, if you had read the two points after this one, we are actually going to talk about that. Yeah. But, uh, (laughs) you know, I'm on the other end of this, right? Because I will not spend the money. And it's like, I need to allocate and go, hey, I'm going to spend X amount on myself. And I'm not going to feel bad about it because I'm a complete miser. Otherwise, I still have my mouse pad from 1998. It's on the other computer now because I spent 10 bucks to get this one (laughs) like a year ago. But that is the one I used for 20 years. And that's ridiculous. Yeah. Like I said, you're more like my mom in that. And it's like, yeah, we're different. And we like, I can stick to a budget. I, I actually do pretty good with it when I plan for, hey, you know, I set aside this money for, you know, going out and doing fun stuff. And, you know, when that's out for the month, then, all right, I say no, but I've got that kind of in there of, oh, hey, random fun stuff. Or I see this thing at the store that I want to buy. And so I can just go ahead and get it. I don't have to be like, oh, well, 
is it in the budget? I'm like, no, it's, you know, part of that. Well, and I, and I know that yeah. that's the other fun thing. Cause I'm tracking it versus, oh, I can't do it. And, and can't is always the answer. I think this matches really well with caloric intake too. And mm-hmm. in, in a very similar way, it, it's weird how much of this stuff is exactly the same problem applied in different contexts. It's true. Yeah, it really is. So speaking of different contexts, create a schedule for yourself that reflects what you're already doing. Uh, don't do some idealistic schedule. I mean, I've got one that I'm like is my end goal, but it's not where I am right now. And I can look at it and go, okay, what can I modify to get closer to it? You know, if you watch five hours of TV every night, put that into your schedule. Be accountable for that until you fix it. The idea is to start where you actually are. You're going to be unrealistic if you don't have a realistic schedule. You're going to be like, oh, I'm going to do, you know, these five things. No, you're not. You're you're going to sit here and you're going to watch TV. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like with Will and myself, neither of us are like, I like to watch TV occasionally, but we're not big TV watchers. I can. I can sit and watch for about an hour or two and then I get bored. I went on a Chernobyl marathon. Boy, that was a depressing. <laughs> but not ideal. But yeah, for the most part, I won't. I mean, mainly because there's not a place for me to do it unless I want to sit here in this chair for another three hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll probably watch Kenobi tomorrow night. I will allocate time for playing games. Like, I, yeah. I, you know, when I get my homework done tomorrow, that's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. I don't play as much video games as you. So that makes perfect sense. I do occasionally, but just not, not like I, I have in the past played more, but it's just not, I don't know. But what you really want to do too it, with this, similar to the the unexpected spending, is set aside regular unstructured time. Yeah. And this is time that you can use for anything you want that is relaxing. But it's set aside in your schedule as time that you don't have anything else planned. So if someone asks you like, oh, hey, can you do this at this time? You're like, oh, no, I've got something going on then. And it's your unstructured time. Yeah. Well, and. <laughs> This is also something that it's very interesting because this is, I mean, this is in the Bible, like the Old Testament yeah. too, right? I mean, that's what, that's kind of part of the point of the Sabbath is do not pack your schedule to the point where you're not productive. It, it actually destroys a society to do that. I mean, you can look at American society right now, yeah. workaholism and, you know, all the other problems we have, a lot of those are because people are not stopping. Mm-hmm. That's true. So guys, resilience is built through the consistent work and effort of continuing to keep going even when you're tired, even when you're not seeing results. Consistency shows its results as effort over time. The more consistent you remain, the more of the rewards you will see. When you gain consistency in your code, your work, and your life, you will start to set the stage for building resilience in those areas. The resilience comes when things don't go according to plan or when something disrupts the normal flow. Because you've built consistent habits, you're able to absorb the change and pick right back up into your consistent behavior. Even setbacks aren't much concern because you've learned to trust the process and keep going with the knowledge that it's your efforts over time that will get you to your goals. That's pretty much all we got. We will catch you guys next week. Stand by for Titanfall. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. 
Our theme music is an excerpt from Standby for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. For references, show notes, and extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Help us make the show possible by supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash completedeveloperpodcast. You'll get extras, including a weekly aftercast where we discuss the topic of the week and bonus material with some of our patrons. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod, like our page on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram to keep up with news about the show. Join the conversation anytime via Slack by signing up at slack.completedevelopernetwork.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.